Hear the word of God from Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on page 917 in the Pew Bible. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to his grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The word of God for the people of God. a lonely sort of kid. My brother Bill was 13 years older than me, and so for quite some time early on, he was my somewhat reluctant companion and my ever, ever uh, available babysitter. But when he went away to the Air Force at 17, well, I was only four years old. I thought I'd done something that made him go away and left me there together just alone with my parents. Not that my parents weren't lovely people, but it was just me. And so I found that I became very lonely without him. My parents were older, and so most of their friends had much older kids, maybe even adult children, and they really weren't interested in playing with a little girl. Loneliness at any age can be distressing. But when you're four years old, you don't know that it can come and go, and that There are ways to help you get out of that loneliness. And even though there are different reasons why we might feel lonely, oftentimes the impact is the same. A sense of disconnectedness with others, sometimes anxiety or a feeling of isolation, even a sense of just being different. Now, we can feel lonely even with surrounded by people. So... If you have or are feeling lonely, you aren't alone. In a recent study by UCLA, they found that almost half of American adults feel loneliness. And to some degree, regular degree, even those who are living with spouses or children or with friends. And you know how it kind of hits you. You suddenly don't want to do something. You decide to skip the party because you feel lonely in the middle of all those people anyway. You decide not to go to the company breakfast and then so on and so on until you continue to feel more disconnected. And you wonder why nobody sees what's going on inside of you. You lie awake at night wondering when it's ever going to end. Or you fall into bed exhausted every day because you've been working so much trying to just not have to think about it. And then maybe the credit card bill comes. And it's the affirmation of the fact that going shopping makes you feel better even if it's just for a little bit. And forget about doing the exercise that the doctor said would help it. You don't have any interest in it because it doesn't seem to be worth the effort if you're just going to feel lonely still anyway. Loneliness can impact our health negatively. 
making us more susceptible to heart disease and you know the, the usual ones, high blood pressure, diabetes, even Alzheimer's. And though we might be tempted to think that loneliness impacts older people more than anybody else, the fastest growing segment right now is those that are in the 20 and above, the 20 to 22, 24 years old. And it's part of it, they believe, is because of something that's been dubbed Facebook depression. Did you know that was a thing? I didn't. And it's said to be an increased dissatisfaction with our lives because of the time that we spend in social media looking at other people's seemingly perfect lives. Sadly, none of these efforts to substitute for something for a relationship help the loneliness. Instead, they separate us further from the very people that we wish that we were closer to. Our loneliness can be used by God to draw us closer to God. But God never intended for us to spend our times perpetually in loneliness or always alone. Because God's nature is rooted in relationship. Now last week was Pentecost Sunday. It's the Sunday that we celebrate the birthday of the church and the general outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon humanity. Today is known as Trinity Sunday when we celebrate the church's understanding, well, to the degree we really understand, of how God is through the doctrine of the Trinity. Like Pentecost, it was a big moment in the church to come to that understanding. After people's experiences of God the Father, and then the Son, and then the Holy Spirit, they began to think about God in new ways, coming to proclaim that God was of one substance, meaning still one God, just like the Jewish people had said, but expressed in three persons, the persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who are both fully equal, there's not one of them that's you know above the other, and eternal. Have always, he, God has always been and always will be, including all three persons. Now, I will be the first to say that no matter how well someone tries to explain the Trinity, there is still mystery in the Trinity. At best, we can use a metaphor. It's not like it's scientific in the way that we came to understand the Trinity. The best metaphor that I've heard comes from John Wesley, who said, if you can explain how there can be three candles in a room, but there's only one light, then you can explain the Trinity. Well, here in the 21st century, that just doesn't cut it for us sometimes. We're not accustomed to having mysteries that can be unsolved. We, through our science, scientific endeavors, day after day, there are new things being brought to light, new things that we've come to understand that we've never understood at any other point in history. Think about how big it was that DNA was finally sequenced and we began to understand how the body comes together, how it's created. And now there's research that says that we can make changes to DNA that's been damaged and fix it. God, however, cannot be proved or disproved with scientific scientifically. 
is there are mysteries that we can never solve about God. I'll give you an example. The mathematics with God are that 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 3. The Father plus the Son plus the Holy Spirit equals one God. Now that does not mean that each one of them make up a third of God. For the fullness of God is contained in each one of the three persons of God, and yet they are all together only one God. There are only a few verses in the Bible that even make mention of the three persons in close proximity like it does in our passage for today. And the word Trinity never appears in the Bible. Yet as with many principles of our faith, we're left wondering what this means and why it's important. As we'll see, God's relational nature impacts our deepest understanding of who God is and who we are. Now Paul presumes, Paul, the writer of Romans, presumes that we have read the first four chapters of Romans. And since we may not have read those recently, let me give you a little summary. The whole time he spends talking about the law versus grace and justification by faith. Meaning that we're, justification meaning that we're made right uh, with God by faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Everyone has the opportunity to be justified by faith. The simple act of faith. Paul says, therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This peace is not the peace that is just peace of mind, although we may experience that. It is a peace that is more closely related to the shalom, which is the Hebrew word for peace in the Old Testament. A sense of deep well-being that goes far beyond our concept of peace as just being the end of hostilities. It's a sense of wholeness that cannot be broken by our sufferings or our misfortunes, but rather speaks to us of God's deep love and reconciliation, as well as our hope of the glory of God. That peace is one result of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, as we are not alone. In attempting to understand the three persons of the Trinity, the relational character of God begins to be seen as Paul references first the peace that God has given us in Jesus Christ and then the love of God that, as he says, has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The actual doctrine of the Trinity took almost four centuries to be able to be solidified. Even so, the Trinity was still shrouded in a bit of mystery as it is today. But by then there was this sense that God's self is inherently relational. And given that we're made in God's image, that we are inherently relational as well. The reason we feel loneliness so acutely is because we are created by God to be in relationships that are life-giving, in ways similar to our relationship to God. And God so wants a relationship with us. 
From the moment of our birth, God has been pursuing us, God's grace seeking us and wooing us to God's self. It is intentional, and this happens with every person, even when we have no thought or understanding or desire for God. We call it prevenient grace. As long as we live, God will never stop seeking us. Though we don't use it often, there's a response in the confessional prayer in Holy Communion that quotes Romans 5, 8, a few verses down, this, in this beautiful thought that God proves his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God proves his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we could have been considered enemies of God, unworthy of God's concern, God loved us so much that he allowed Christ to die that we could repent and be reconciled to God by faith through God's abundant grace. Grace, known as the undeserved favor of God. Because there's nothing that we can do to get it. It's a gift from God. There's nothing that we could do to keep it. It is still a gift from God. Do you begin to understand the depth of love that is poured out by the Holy Spirit into our hearts? This is a love that originates in God's self. In the love that is between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that overflows to the point that It tumbled out of God's self and into creation, into creation of humanity with whom God's love could be shared. A humanity created in God's image. It doesn't mean we look like God, but that we have the same capacity to love and the desire for relationship that God in God's self has. I want you to think for a moment about all the, the big moments in the church that we celebrate together, like baptism and weddings and funerals, ordinations, all manner of things that happen. Each and every one of those we celebrate with, hope, with the sense of the Trinity. We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Thanksgiving prayer of Holy Communion is organized in a Trinitarian fashion. At weddings and funerals, we give blessing and affirmation in the name of the Trinity. These are the, that relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is a tie, a strengthening tie within the Godhead and with us. It is no mistake that the significant times of our lives are Trinitarian. And God calls us to model our relationships with each other after God's relationship with us. An image of relationship that is far bigger than we are with purposes that go far beyond us. Well, my family moved multiple times over the years between when I was four and when I was ten. And so while loneliness would ebb and flow, go away and come back, 
you know, when next time you had to pack up and move to the next house, well, it was time to make new friends and be in a new school and so on. It wasn't until I was about 10 years old that loneliness was relieved in a way that I never expected. I said yes to Jesus. I said yes to Jesus on an Easter Sunday at the church that I've told you about before, the little Baptist church, where there was an altar call every single Sunday. But that Sunday, something, I think it was the Holy Spirit, nudged me to go forward and say yes. Now, I'm one of those people, and I was as a kid too, who wanted to always do the right thing. So I was highly aware of the ways that I had not, and our preacher, in case we didn't remember, reminded us every week. Um, So at the altar, it was with great joy that I asked Jesus to forgive me and found and knew that all those things I had done would be gone because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, I didn't understand it. I didn't even know anything about God's grace. I simply wanted to be saved the way the preacher said I could be, to be justified or made right. I never anticipated, though, that the thing that I would notice most was that I didn't feel alone anymore. It was a big moment for me to understand that God, through Jesus Christ, wanted relationship with me. Now, it wasn't until much later that in addition to that relationship with God that I came to understand that we're pre-wired for a relationship ourselves, relationship with others because of that image of God in which we're made. We are created to be in relationships, relationships that if they're ever broken can be repaired through the forgiving love of Jesus Christ, relationships that can be sustained across years and across miles through the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit connects us together. There's a bigger purpose in the love in in these relationships than we can imagine. Because in the mystery of the Trinity that we acknowledge we may never fully understand this side of heaven, every relationship has a new meaning. For now, not only is it relationship of person to person, but it includes God. It includes the God who nudges and pushes and guides us to grow and accomplish God's purposes in ourselves and through us in others. We are connected to God and each other so that even when we feel lonely, we are not alone. We are not alone. So what if we allowed God's love that's been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit to be given to those with whom we have relationship? What if in the broken relationships in our lives that they could be restored through forgiveness and reconciliation that we've already received in Christ? What if we started treating life as not a do-it-yourself project, but a do-it-together project? What shallow 
or surface relationships might become vibrant and life-giving through love? What sufferings might we endure that might then produce endurance and character and hope, as Paul says they do in the passage? Who might come to know God, to say yes to Jesus, through the sharing of God's grace and mercy that we have received? As we are all about to embark on the summer, which may mean travel, it may mean travel for the whole summer or only a couple days or not at all, how might we become more purposeful and perhaps less lonely in our lives as we live into our identity to be inherently relational people made in the image of our relational God and through whom we are never alone? I'd like to share this prayer that, uh, that McGray is also sharing today and Justin, I assume, as well. It's a Trinitarian prayer to remind us a little bit about who we are as people who worship a Trinitarian God. It's very short, so if you'd like to write it down, you can grab a pen out of the, the pew rack or the rack in the chairs to, to write it down in your bulletin. And it says this, May I experience love, be love, and share love with someone else today. May I experience love, be love, and share love with someone else today. In the name of the presence, person, and power of love. Amen. I'll say it again. May I experience love, be love, and share love with someone else today. In the name of the presence, person, and power of love. Amen. Let's remember who we are. Remember that, like our Trinitarian God, that we are created for relationship. And that even in our loneliness, even in those moments when we feel like we have lost our purpose, that we are not alone and never will be. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Oh, holy God. We thank you that you've given your very self to us. That in the Holy Spirit, your presence is always with us, even in those moments when we do not feel it. When we feel that we have been abandoned, when we feel that we are alone, you are still there. Help us rest in and take power and solace from that presence. Help us remember that we are made for relationship. Help us see the ones who are lonely around us and to help, to draw alongside, to remind that we are not alone. Help us, Lord, to be who you have created us to be and to fully live 
into the life that you call us to. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.